Having feared the worst after his dementia diagnosis, Masood Qureshi is now focused on changing people's perceptions. My name's Gareth Bracken, and I met a man who wants others to benefit from his experiences. It was late February when I visited 63-year-old Masood Qureshi at his home in Stoke for our latest Alzheimer's Society podcast. Masood has Alzheimer's disease and frontal temporal dementia, also known as FTD. FTD is a less common type of dementia that can affect speech, behaviour, problem solving, planning and the control of emotions. I met Masood before the coronavirus pandemic had really begun to take hold in the UK, meaning that it wasn't discussed during our initial conversation. Our chat instead focused on Masood's experiences of coming to terms with being diagnosed with dementia in his 50s, and how he's gone from initial disbelief to eventual acceptance, and now wants to support others and raise awareness. I then got back in touch with Masood at the end of March to see how he was managing under the new rules on social distancing that had been introduced to help combat the virus, a conversation that you'll hear at the end of this podcast. But our first meeting began with Masood telling me a little about his background. I am originally from Pakistan. I was 14, 15 when I came to England because uh, my father used to work for a British company over there and uh, uh, and then he came over to England and then eventually we came over to join him in 1971. So uh, it was stoke on that we first came and uh, that's where I went to school and college and whatever and that's why I grew up uh, in a sense. What are your memories of those earlier times first coming to England and having to adjust? It was an experience seeing the snow for the first time because mm. uh, we had never seen it and when we did see it on TV and whatever, you know, uh, we, it was so harmless, something uh, so nice to watch and we, I couldn't understand why something as harmless as that could be harmful. Mm. Uh, because we used to read about it in the papers and see that, uh, you know, snow has caused an accident on the roads and whatever, and the roads are slippery and all that. And I couldn't imagine uh, how something like that could cause that until I actually saw it for the very first time. Masood belonged to a religious Muslim family, but attended a Catholic school. They not only were uh, accommodating me, they were keen to listen to me and actually... uh, use uh, some of the terms that we had within our faith. I explored and they explored and I used them to learn and they used me to learn. Mm. And it, it was a mutual sort of thing and I, it was quite enjoyable. In the mid-1970s, with his father taken ill and the family in need of income, Masood looked for work. He started as an apprentice at tyre manufacturer Michelin, working his way through the ranks until he left the company when it moved back to France. He returned to college to learn bookkeeping and accountancy, and then started his own business, which he ran for around six years. He also supported local people and organisations as a translator, interpreter and immigration advisor, and held senior positions with religious organisations. Masood's wife died in 1998, two years after a breast cancer diagnosis. I had to give that office life up because I couldn't, I couldn't, man the office and look after the children at the same time. 
Uh, I've got five children from that marriage, and they were all school ages and little, and uh, it was difficult to actually work. I couldn't find a job working around them, and eventually I, after that, did find a part-time job with a double glazing company, and I was there for about three or four years, uh, and then I was taken ill again. I had major heart surgery. Uh, I had triple bypass, and that really was uh, was the end of my working life, as it were. And so I believe you're diagnosed with Alzheimer's and FTD, frontal temporal dementia. Yes. About um, was it 2011 or something so? like that? Yes, 2011. Yes. 2011. Yes. And. How did that come about? What did did you first start noticing it problems? No, this is this is uh, the, it's a difficult one. This it's it's a unique in a sense because I had my uh, heart surgery, like I said before, major heart surgery, and apparently when somebody goes through uh, major surgery like that, they do a brain scan, and on that scan it showed up that there are traces of Alzheimer's. I did not know about it. My GP did not know about it. I had a visit from, uh, and I, I forgot what organization it was. It's some sort of uh, health organization in National Health. And they rang up and they said that they wanted to see me uh, about this diagnosis and tell me about it. And I had a visit at home and they told me about it. And how I got to hear about it was, uh, and the diagnosis itself, I think, was, was accidental. Mm-hmm. Because had I not had uh, surgery, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known. You had no clue at that point? No, you had none whatsoever. Time. The diagnosis wasn't... Uh, it wasn't taken well with me initially. Mm-hmm. It took me quite some time to come to terms with it. Because it's... It, no matter what anybody says and think, you have to be positive and what have you, but it's a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. And when you know that there's no cure for it, that doesn't help. Since then, in the years since, have certain symptoms developed at all? I, I don't know whether I have brought them on myself or the disease has, mm. because the thought of knowing that you've got something like this doesn't help, of course. Mm. And I was concerned and worried about it and yes since then I have found that I'm a bit agitated sometimes on edge I worry about things that I don't need to worry about I think uh, and uh, it's it's frightening uh, you know sometimes feel trapped uh, somebody who, who, who wants to get out or can't mm-hmm. you know uh, I seem to have phobias about things that I didn't have phobias about the, the things that used to be second nature become harder to do mm-hmm. uh, it becomes a chore and it becomes and sometimes I think you know what for what am I doing it for I know what the end is and it does, does concern me and worry me. And uh, at times, I have, uh, I have cried myself to sleep over it. It took a long time for Masood to accept that he had dementia. 
However, he's now reached a point where he acknowledges his condition. Everybody seems to think of the worst possible scenario. And of course, there are different stages. And I knew that I was at an at a, at a earlier onset stage. And uh, I, I could live well with it. I could do something about it, uh, which I've tried. And uh, I think it's working. It's, it's difficult really to explain the inner feelings. But what I can say is that there is life with dementia. It's just different. So, to recap, Masood Qureshi, who is 63 and living with dementia, came to England from Pakistan as a teenager in 1971. Masood, who lived in Stoke, was unexpectedly diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and frontal temporal dementia in 2011 following a brain scan. Tasks that used to be second nature have become harder to do, and Masood can find himself agitated, worried, or on edge. It took a long time for Masood to accept that he had dementia, but he now believes that he can live well with the condition. Masood credits Deep, the Dementia Engagement and Empowerment Project, which supports people with dementia to influence the attitudes, services and policies that affect their lives. He is a founder member of a Deep peer support group, the Beth Johnson Foundation. I think peer support group has helped tremendously because I've found that we've opened up a bit more because everybody within that group is living with this condition. Uh, living well, living, having difficulties, it's all there and we can, we can open up and talk about it quite freely because in all essence it is difficult to talk about this to anybody. Masood, who is a dementia friend, contacted Alzheimer's Society after finding out about us on social media. They have visited me, they've advised me on financial situations because as I say I've always worked all my life and i didn't know what benefits to have or what benefits uh, I'm entitled to. And uh, of course the biggest setback that I had with this diagnosis was financially. Mm -hmm. You know, emotionally, psychologically, physically, that, that is the, the illness itself that does it. But financially I was it because I was on, uh, on reasonable reasonable earnings I had. I was on, for Stoke on Trent, I was, I was on good, good wage mm -hmm. for Stoke. And as I say, I've been a professional all my life and I lost all that. Mm. And consequently, I'm, and I don't like these benefits. I don't want to go on benefits. I want to work. I've, I've worked all my life and I don't understand what I'm entitled to. Mm. And uh, that's the reason why financially I'm in a mess. So the society has been helping me and uh, they've introduced me to other people. Masood remarried six years ago and his wife currently lives abroad. He highlights the very strong support that he receives from his family. I get financial support from the family and of course moral support. I mean, I don't have to do anything for myself. I don't have to, to cook. Uh, when I couldn't drive, you know, my sons used to take me to my appointments or whatever, everywhere else that I needed to go. But biggest is sort of emotional 
uh, support that I get from them, you know, the understanding. Uh, that's probably the only best word to use there. Because somebody living with dementia, he, he or she loses quite a lot. But there's one thing that that person does not lose, lose uh, and that is love, because that's got nothing to do with memory or dementia or anything. That's just there. It's, in, it's unconditional. And the people that you have around you and, and the love you have for, for people that your family, uh, it's there. And I think that's probably what keeps you going. Wanting to offer his own support to others, Masood recently volunteered for the Society's side-by-side service, where he'll be supporting another person with dementia to keep doing the activities they love. I would like to pass on some of the experience and some of the ways of me or some of the, the things that I've adapted to cope with this. So, uh, you know, that, that's basically going to be my role. Having come to terms with his own dementia, Masood now wants to do all he can to raise awareness of the condition. He has been supported by Alzheimer's Society to give presentations about his experiences of dementia to medical students at Keele University and has also sat on panels of doctors and patients. I think when I researched on it, on the net, I found out that most people don't fully understand it. And uh, when I was talking to my colleagues in the PS Sport Group, it also came out that most GPs and national health professionals don't understand it fully. And I took it on me and said, right, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to tell them how we feel or how somebody with dementia actually feels and what's going through his mind and his self. Because uh, if, I, if I can use the term, we don't talk with our mind, we talk with our heart. And it's so difficult. Uh, to actually put that on paper. So the motivation I had was, let's go and tell them what our inner feelings are, how we actually feel and what is going through our head and what what our thoughts are. And it took quite a lot, but I've actually decided to do something about it. Maybe some of the things that I say help other people to understand it a bit more. Masood also wants to change perceptions and improve knowledge of dementia among the general public. And I would like to sort of home in within our community, the Asian community more so, because this condition is not understood by them at all. It's it's a taboo subject with some of them. And... uh, You've got uh, you've got stigma with it anyway with 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 the rest of the uh, community as well, mm-hmm. but more so within the Asian community. I believe there could be people out there that are actually living with it and they don't know about it, mm-hmm. and the proof is there. If had I not had my surgery, I wouldn't have known about it. Uh, so. The knowledge out there is is minimum, and people that have heard about the about terms dementia think about it being the worst possible scenario, where you can't think, where you can't talk, where you've got no feelings, you don't recognize people, 
And because they are not at that stage, they don't believe that they have it. That is one of the reasons that actually made me do something about it and go out and actually talk about this and advertise, in a sense, the societies and the, the people that are available. You know, it's, it's quite difficult, but I'm, I'm, I'm having, having a go. I'll have a go. Although Masood can find it difficult to speak about his experiences, he is motivated by the thought that his words might make a difference to other people who have dementia. It's taken a lot of energy for me to say that, I would like to add, because it's not easy. Uh, I've probably slept like a log tonight because, you know, it's drained me. Uh, but it buzzes me up at the same time because I, I believe that I've done something that maybe in future help somebody else with the same condition. I, I believe that somebody somewhere will benefit from all this. I, I sincerely hope that. And while no one can change the outcome of dementia or Alzheimer's with the right sport, I think you can change the journey. I spoke to Masood on a video call at the end of March to find out how he was getting on. So really, Masood, I came to see you in Stoke about a month ago for the initial interview and in the four or so weeks since then, the world's become a very, very different place. It does, yeah, indeed. How, how have you been coping in recent weeks with things like the social distancing and the new rules and the measures? How have you been getting on there in Stoke? It, it has to be remembered that every change takes an effect on people, especially mm -hmm. with some sort of condition. And it's adapting to that change and accepting it. It's not easy, it's quite difficult. And for somebody in my situation, uh, it is more difficult than probably most people. Uh, and said that, when you're actually asked to stay indoors, that in itself is difficult. Uh, but we have to remember, I, I basically think that we need to keep calm as much as we can and sort of uh, connect, connect with people that we care about, people that we can trust, people that are family and friends, and connect through this, this, this uh, modern technology that we have where we can talk to people without any problems. We can even see them. Uh, it just cushions the blow, really. It makes it easier for us to, uh, to cope with things. With this situation potentially continuing for weeks or months into the future, um, how do you feel about that? How are you feeling emotionally about that? It does. It does worry me. It does concern me because uh, you know uh, you, you have your plans and they change and they change more often than before. I think uh, you know it, uh, once once we realise that staying at home means that we're helping ourselves and others i think it takes that that bit of uh, fear away as to why we're inside why we're cooped up and for you personally how have you had much support from outside society in, in recent weeks 
I have. They've been ringing me uh, uh, every other day, mm. uh, checking up on me, obviously, and through emails as well, as well as uh, through messages and actually physically calling. I mean, even uh, the, the uh, advocates that used to uh, <coughs> uh, help me uh, be my voice from Beth Johnson's foundation, mm. a part of the deep group. They, again, they brought this morning as well. I'm with this volunteering I do at the moment. Uh, I'm doing it through the through telephone, making phone calls to people that are at home, mm. and uh, uh, you know, in any way that I can help. And what is the um, what is that volunteering you are doing? Volunteering for, uh, with the side by side. Okay, side by side. Okay. Yeah, yeah, side by side. It's only once once a week, mm. but I think it's uh, it's nice to know that when they when they're sort of expecting your call. You know what I mean. Hmm. And they know that somebody somebody's there at the end of the phone line. Yeah. Because I think I think that's important for people with their condition. Hmm. Yeah. The outbreak obviously means that life is going to change, and it's going to change, and it's going to change again, and it'll probably carry on changing. But the the message that I'd like to, to for everybody to know is that we have to remember. And this is the most important thing as far as I'm concerned, that it is temporary. It's not going to be there forever. Life will get back to normal. And if everybody plays their part right, and you've got the three slogans going on there, stay inside, look after NFL, and help everybody save lives. I think if everybody sticks to that simple rule, things will improve and they will improve very, very soon. Next steps. Visit alzheimers.org.uk forward slash share to tell us about your experiences of dementia. For coronavirus advice and support for people affected by dementia, visit alzheimers.org.uk forward slash coronavirus. That's alzheimers.org.uk forward slash c-o-r-o-n-a-v-i-r-u-s. You could make a huge difference to the lives of people living with dementia during the coronavirus pandemic. To support our emergency appeal, text UNITE to 70660 to give £10. That's UNITE, U-N-I-T-E, to 70660 to give £10. Or visit alzheimers.org.uk forward slash coronavirus hyphen appeal. That's alzheimers.org.uk forward slash C-O-R-O-N-A v-i-r-u-s hyphen appeal for our publications in a range of languages and formats see alzheimers.org.uk forward slash accessible resources or call 0300 303 5933 local rate this was a podcast version of the article called change the journey in the april may 2020 issue of dementia together alzheimer society's magazine Written and recorded by Gareth Bracken, produced by Chris Hosker. For more magazine podcasts and links to other Alzheimer's Society podcasts, see alzheimers.org.uk forward slash podcast. As well as print copies, we also offer an audio version of the full magazine. To receive the print magazine or the CD, call 0330 333 0804, local rate.